Good morning again. I have a quick pop quiz. Anybody know the voice of the person who was on that? <laughs> Andy, you know. <laughs> I think and I've given you a lot this weekend, right? There's Chris Storm. Thank you. You guys got his voice. And thank you, Chris. We have a great team of people, writers, and we consult, and some write, some record, and the whole team that puts this together. So this is the next series we're going, if you are joining us, we're just starting the Belong series. And so welcome and join us on this journey. If you're still um, thinking about coming to join you online, we welcome you to come. We have a lot of space you can join us. And for you who keep coming, thank you. Thank you for just being present. It's greatly appreciated. Yes, we can thank each other for what we are doing. If this is your first time, please find ways you can connect with any one of us, whoever you're sitting around. We want to be able to belong. So in this Belong series, we're going to spend um, two weeks to talk about be in community in the Belong series. And today we'll be talking about the church. And next week, Pastor Rob, we, we pick that up and also talk about community. Then that will be followed about if we belong, we have stories to tell. And two of our own leaders in our church will be talking about those stories, God's story and our story, and how do we tell the story to advance the kingdom. So this is the Belong series. So we've been going through the seven responses we started off by talking about God, who is one and the God we worship. And then we've talked, how do I respond to God? So in the Build series, we talk about the word, we talk about worship, and we talk about prayer. All those are practices and disciplines for every believer. I am in the word, I am praying, and I'm joining in fellowship. And then we went on to bless, where we are talking about generosity and also serving. And even now we belong, we see that there's a connection with all of these series we've been putting together, the, the build, the bless, and the belong. So today, that's what we're going to be talking about when we talk about the big C church and the small C church. We'll be talking about that today. we we'll explore that in scripture. But if you are talking about belong to the church, let's hear what the one who is the head of the church himself said about the church. And this is what Jesus Christ said in building his church. He said, and I tell you, you Peter, that's Peter he's speaking to, and on this rock, Jesus Christ is the rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus is the one who have proclaimed his church, that he is the head of the church, he's building the church. And he made that declaration, he made that pronouncement, that the church belongs to him. He is the head of the church. Paul later writing on, continued to talk about the place of Christ and his church. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, uh, Paul wrote this to everyone to know who is the head of the church. And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus Christ, and appointed him to be head over everything for his church. So those are declarations that are made for us to know we belong to the church and one big church. You know, on the day of Pentecost, we see the, the disciples, they were there when the birth of the church, when the church was born. And this is what we read that was, was written there on the day of Pentecost. And it tells us in, in the book of Acts how the birth of the church, how the church was born. And this is what we read. And with many words, Peter is preaching, warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. 
Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 that they added to the church. That was the birth of the church, and we know that Jesus is the head of the church, and the scripture tells us. But over the years, we've seen in history many, many other structures and things that tell us that this is the church. So I, in AD uh, 327, Constantine was ruling, and he started to build structures. So look at these, and sometimes when we say church, look at these pictures. They tell you about church, right? Take a look. These pictures, buildings. Each one of these is a location and a place expression, but it all came out of that desire that Constantine, this is a church in Papua New Guinea, you know, some of our congregants, they really um, preach the gospel to those people, they disciple them, and now that is the church building they have. So when we talk about church, we are always sometimes thinking about a building. Well, because Constantine wanted to build this wonderful buildings. You know, he built one in Jerusalem. He built one in, in, in Bethlehem. He built in Constantinople, and he also built in Rome. And when he built it, it was just empty buildings. So when the Greeks and the Romans and the Italians came to saw these empty buildings, they moved in the pews. You know, this is part of church history. They started to put chairs and buildings so people could gather. But that is not really what we see as the original intent even on the day of Pentecost. So I want you to help me with, uh, I have a question online. Whoever is online can tell you about Big C and Little C Church, because I want to get an answer to this pop quiz. If you know the answer, put up your hand and hold it. Hold it, I said hold it. Anybody else? You know Seminole County, maybe you just live in Longwood, Seminole. You got an answer back there? All right, there's an answer. That's what we're gonna find out in our message today. We're gonna to find out what is the answer when we say a, a little C church and a big C church in all of these areas, what is the church? Because we also read in the scripture, it was made clear how people were becoming church. And for Northland, let's look at some faces that can tell us what the church is expression we've had here. Some of you will see yourselves in some of these pictures. I think that guy has grown up now, eh? <laughs> so buildings, faces of people can tell us about church. But we can look at all of these and say, this is what the community of our people, our building here, and all the buildings around the world, we see all of this, they tell us about church. And when John was writing in John chapter one, verse 12, John had this to say about church. He said, we belong to the community, and he said, and he said yet to all who did receive Jesus Christ, to those who belong to him, he gave them the right to become children of God. So we belong to the church, when we trust Jesus. So the quiz question, and what is the answer? How many churches? One. one church. We belong to this one church that we talk about, the church universal, 
and that is the big C church, and we also talk about the little C church, which is the local church, denominations, and Northland is denomination, if you're trying to figure that out, that we, are, we have all the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Presbyterians, and we're all in this group together. <laughs> so that is, that is the church that Jesus Christ has, has brought us to, to be one church for him, when we, when we trust him. The church is, a, is people who believe the called out one, the ecclesia, those who have been called out, those who have been set apart in an assembly, in a congregation, we are the church. So we are this one big church. The early church we're going to read about had specific marks that show why they were radical and how the Holy Spirit who gave birth to the church was working. So we're going to read about that and then try to draw out some principles and lessons we can learn. What then is this little C and big C church that I'm part of? What should that mark be for me as a believer and for you as a believer? Because Jesus Christ is the one who gave us this declaration. They saw him before the birth of the church. He lived. He did his miracles. He died. He rose again. And he told us what the church will be. So let's read the story in Acts chapter 1. If you can, please stand with me. We're reading Acts chapter 1, verses 42 to 47. Acts chapter 1, verse 42 to 47. They, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who have been saved. Let's pray. Father, we stand before you as those who have been saved, but also we stand before you with all people or joining us online. So now, Lord, may we see what you want us to be as the church so that we can complete the work you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to look at four things here in this passage we just read. We're going to look about a learning church, a caring church, a worshiping church, and a growing church. We see that in the text that we just read. Let's start off by looking at a learning church in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And this is devoted to teaching and living the word of God. It's not just a church that was there learning. But what they were learning was what they had received from Jesus. You know, Jesus had been with these um, apostles and disciples, and now the church has grown. So they were going to the apostles' teaching. They were taking what was in the... Old Testament, they knew that time, and what Jesus had been present with them, he's been teaching. So this was what it was a doctrine. A learning church is a church that has solid teaching that we'll call doctrine. A church that is teaching about God, is teaching about Jesus, about man, about how we can walk with Jesus. All are in the scriptures. A learning church that these people were devoted to by the teaching and learning was a church that was believing what Jesus said. Jesus had said he came to, 
to, uh, he did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but he came to fulfill it. And Jesus made it very clear that his word, nothing in his word is going to change, that his word will stand forever. He even prayed that for you and I, and Jesus prayed. He said in John 17, 16, sanctify them in thy word. Thy word is truth. And if Jesus tells us that our life and obedience and our transformation is going to take place by knowing his word, what a longing, what a desire we should have to be able to look into Jesus' word. Because the Bible itself in Hebrews tells us it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So we should be people of the book, committed to scripture, committed to the word. That is a mark of a church. If you are checking a church out, you want to be able to understand what's their doctrine, what's their teaching, what's their belief, and also what is it that they practice. And we desire Northland to continue to be that church in personal lives, in your own personal lives, in corporate life, you are saying that I stand upon the scriptures, I stand upon the word of God. Paul had this also to say to Timothy, the pastor that he was looking for, and this is even what we're looking for, in these candidates who want to be the, the, the pastor, we say, until I come, 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scriptures, now you know why we stand and read, and to preaching and to teaching. We have a commitment to God's word. Yes, we can study culture, you can study tradition, you can study issues, but if you always come back to scripture because all truth is God's truth, and you can prove that in the scripture. We should be a church like the people who are in the city of Berea when Paul went in Acts chapter 17. And it said of those believers that they were gathering, they were examining the scriptures. They were digging into the Bible. They wanted to see what they are hearing, what they are feeling, how is it true? What is the place of scripture personally and professionally in our life? Is it just an add-on or scripture informs or scripture guides and scripture leads us? We should make this in a personal life, whether it's daily devotions, whether it's I'm part of a group, but be devoted to that like the early church. We read throughout, even in, in the church, that this is what they were doing. And that's a hallmark of our church here at Northland. We want to be folks who are digging into the scriptures, studying everything we learn, we come back to scripture. Amen? So the first thing we see is this was a learning church. The second thing we see in this passage, a caring church. Verse 42 reads, and verse 42 says, everyone was filled with awe. Verse 42, sorry, it went back, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What we see in this section of the scripture that this church was in fellowship. It didn't just say because they were meeting in coffee shops like we do today. But fellowship is talking, the word they use there is koinonia. You know, the word means I, I am together, we are sharing, we are in partnership, and we are belonging to each other. There's a lot in the scripture about one another. You know, you could read about love one another, care for one another, pray for one another. And lots of one another, it says. What does this koinonia and this fellowship that we read here, it meant? It meant that the believers were celebrating Jesus as they gathered together. And these are two things that we always do when they gather together. We have an expression of that here. That is, they will celebrate Jesus in the Lord's Supper. 
communion, when he talks about breaking of bread, it's coming together, and sometimes they even had a love feast, where you know, I don't know whether it's a potluck or lock pot, but they were all bringing their meals together to be able to share, they called it the love feast, agape feast, as they will do that, and then they will celebrate Jesus. They will want to remember that the message we proclaim, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, he rose again, and he's alive. That is what communion does for us. The breaking of bread, we are declaring Jesus, we are humbling ourselves before him as the one who we can live with and forever. So that was another mark of the church, a caring church, a church that was gathering together. But the scripture also goes on to tell us all the believers were together and had everything in common. So the love was expressed in their unity in Christ. The love was expressed by sharing. Koinonia also tells us about how do we share and how do we contribute to others. And a caring church is a church that is looking at the needs of their community, of their congregation, inward and outward. They are looking and saying, we want to care about others. We want to be able to give to others. Uh, they wrote in Hebrews, do not forget to do good, to share with others, for such sacrifices pleases God. There's a generosity in a caring church. And that generosity in a caring church is to be able to see that. How can I get the gospel out even when I just do a, a acts of kindness? How do I get the gospel out? Because Jesus also said that in John 17, that they may be one, the unity, but also they may go out and share love. So that's why a church like this, we do the benevolence program. You know, we talk about giving Tuesdays coming up because we don't do that just for ourselves. We do that for others, to care to meet the needs of those within our congregation and those outside. And that's what God calls us to be able to think about. So when you read this in the early church, that they were not practicing communism, that is not what the scripture says, that everybody just sold everything and gave it away. Because that will contradict the text. The text also said they gave to the need. Not everybody sold their house. Then they would not be having, it says, their meeting in homes. So there were those who, who could afford it that will sell some property and bring it. And even some who abuse it in the rest of the book of Acts. So generosity is part of the love of showing that we are a caring church. We want to see how we love and we care for others. A learning church, how are we doing with that? And how are we showing also our care? You know, this building that we were part of is one of the ways we serve our community. You would have been here Friday night. You know, Friday night they had a concert here. This place was packed. Some of you were there and up. There were about 1,700 people. They came from all over the city. They were wandering, you know, from Deltona, Daytona. But we feel that that's a way that we can serve and advance the gospel. Every caring is to provide opportunities that we can see Christ being glorified. A learning church, know the word of God, solid doctrine, solid teaching, but also a caring church that is celebrating Christ, you know, exalting him among others and giving to others. The third thing we see in the text here, we'll go back to verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then we read further down, they continued in their temple, verse 44, in the, to meet together in the temple, the broke bread again and in their homes, 
ate together, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So a caring church is a church that is together devoted to worship. These believers were, were, were dedicated to gather together to exalt the name of Jesus in worship. This was a formal gathering because in Jerusalem and around they had the temple. So they would gather together in a formal place of worship, but also they would do it informally, one-on-one, -on -one. they would meet in, in homes. The reason for this is that the attitude of awe in worshiping God is what will lead us to see the favor we have among other people. How do I experience the awe of God? How do I experience that presence of God? Well, it doesn't come by maybe our voices, our instruments, or where we are. It comes by the Holy Spirit who moves among us. And I trust that when you come here, whether it's an instrument you hear, a voice you hear, but the experience of the awesomeness of God fills you by the reading of the scripture. Whatever burdens or, or whatever heartaches or desires you come into a building like this, the awe of God is when the Holy Spirit meets you right where you are. When the Holy Spirit will tell you, I got this, I am faithful, I am a promise keeper. That is how the awesomeness of God, the louder is not the holier, but it can be also, but also in the quietness of where you are sitting or where you are watching online, you can feel how God all is there. Because the songs we sing, the scriptures we read is just in obedience to the word when it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, he's caught with praise, and give thanks to his name. That's the church we want to be. We want to be those good group of believers. We do not neglect the meeting together, but we want to be able to come and celebrate Jesus. For those of you online, we still invite you. We have lots of spaces here. And those who are visiting, keep coming. Because that's a way we express our wonder. The gathering, the large group, they were gathering in Jerusalem and they went all over the place in these little places that we gather. Maybe some of you are part of groups, you know, you're part of groups that you gather to worship and to learn. And also it says as they were gathering, they were having this in their temples. The, also the breaking of bread fellowship, that koinonia we talked about, takes many different forms. There's something that God does when you gather with other believers and to just break bread. You know, you just have those meal times. That's why I said last week, family meal times were things that we benefited from with, with, with raising children. Never easy, you know, the challenge, and they just want to eat and then go to their room, whatever that is. <laughs> But that is the way it should be, you know, you're raising them, they know that the table is a place that has been set for them. If we are doing this, we're learning church, we're caring, and we're worshiping, the scripture says what they experienced, the awesomeness of God, many signs and wonders were performed by the apostles. Well, you start to think, were they all jumping around? You know, when we talk about signs and wonders, it is what I had said earlier, how the Holy Spirit meets you right in your seat or right there in front of your device that you are watching. How do I see the wonders of God? The greatest wonder that brings us to be part of the church is when I experience that miracle of salvation. When I know that God loves me, when the gospel transforms my life, there's no other signs and wonders and miracles that is there. Because you go from sin in darkness and you come to light in Jesus Christ. That's a miracle. 
That is what the church, a worshiping church, is about. The worshiping church, it says, as they were worshiping, God gave them favor with all people. Non-believers are welcome to come to a place where believers are worshiping. How do you think in the text there, when they said 3,000 people got saved? It was because they were in a big garden with unbelievers, and we just know to get saved. So we invite our non-Christian friends to church, to home groups, to experience God's love, and that's when the wonder, the mystery of the awesomeness of God takes place, that the miracles and wonders bring people to salvation when they believe and they trust Jesus. Now, God can do other signs and miracles. God, we just sang, God is the great miracle-walking God. God can perform miracles of healing. He can do that. You can take medication, you can pray, God can still bring healing. But also God may not physically heal you, but God may give you an inner healing of your heart that I completely trust Jesus Christ. This pain, this limitation I'm going through, that's the wonder of God walking in my life. That was happening in the, in the early church. A worshiping church, we declare Jesus. A worshiping church, we see God have breakthroughs. We need that. We need breakthroughs at Northland. We need strongholds to be demolished. And those are also signs and wonders. It could be individually for you. It could be for our church. We need to be set free from what the power of the Holy Spirit can bring into our lives. That's a worshiping church. It's beyond going outside of the wall. Amen? The breakthroughs do not just happen when I'm here. But you can be driving down a highway, silence in your car, or music in your car, listening to a podcast, listening to a preacher. Signs and wonders can appear there, and God can set us free. So we see the, the church, the mark of this small C and little C and, and big C church, is a church that is learning, a church that is caring and worshiping. All that the worship you have experienced today will bring you to following Jesus and say, yes, I am glad I belong to his church. I am devoted to his word. And part of that devotion is knowing that doctrine that we see in worship when we talk about, we, we observe two sacraments here, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper that we've just mentioned, and also the sacrament of baptism. Those are part of our teaching. By the way, mark your dates. I think it's December the 5th. We're going to have another baptismal service there, go online and sign up, and if you trust Jesus, you just come and be baptized, because when you are baptized, when you take communion, all of those are the gospel that is being preached. The good news of Jesus is declared. And finally, we see in this passage that a church that is learning and caring and, and, and worshiping, it's a growing church. Read the text. In verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. God has a one plan for church growth. You ready for this big reveal? There's only one way that these seats are going to be filled. Not that it's going to grow, the church is going to grow. Only one plan. That plan is you and I. That's the plan. Game over. God wants us to be the one that will declare the gospel, and that brings what the addition, because that's what they did here. Verse 40 in Acts chapter 2. Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000, and the Lord added to their number. You can go on and on in the book of the Acts. Just do a word study on add and multiply in the book of Acts. We need to grow as a church, as believers, because it is only God who is going to add to his church depending on if we proclaim the gospel. 
If we are the ones who are telling the good news of Jesus Christ, then he saves them and he adds them to our church. What a challenge to take God's plan that you and I are now going to decide I am going to be part of God's plan to build a church. I am going to be declaring Jesus Christ. Christians are non-Christian friends. Get involved with them. And there you'll be able to establish the Christian, like Mike said here, we disciple them to learn and follow Jesus, but also we're able to declare the message to our non-Christians. And you say, oh, is that not your job, you guys who walk at the church? It's everybody's job. Acts 1.8, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Church, if we can start being gospeling people, bringing this message. Now, some people, it takes a long time to hear, but it will be the one that we give the, the invitation to come to Jesus. So we pray for them. Pray for lost people. Share the gospel with them. And when the opportunity comes, you invite them to be able to be part of the church. A caring church is loving and united. A learning church is seeking in God's word. A worshiping church is filled with the spirit of God, but we're also going here to take hold of the kingdom of God. Those are the essential marks we see of the church. So I want us to be committed to the praying, to the preaching the gospel. I was quite ready, before I give you these four marks, let me tell you a quick story about how we saw church growth when we were, we were building our church back in Africa. Uh, my wife would be married 37 years. She came from a family that were all Muslims. You know, They were not following Jesus. And they sent her to a, a mission school. And through that mission school, she came to know Jesus Christ. And that was difficult. Because dad and mom said, how can we be Muslims? A girl now attends Jesus Christ. So they were ostracized. And it was a difficult time, but she kept on. And when I got into the story of our life, and now we're thinking romance and getting married, oh yeah, we have all these Muslim people to deal with, but we have to tell them about Jesus. We were loving, we were caring, we were uniting. And in that story, even though we moved away from home, we were on our way in August of 1986. We were coming from another country, Liberia, and we were going to be heading over to the United States. Dad got sick. My wife's father got sick. And the first thing he told us, I'm going to the mission hospital. And we, we have some congregants, actually, their brother was a, was a medical doctor there in West Africa. So he's in the hospital, and I've, I checked in with my, with my friends because some Muslim people read Arabic. So they wrote the gospel message in Arabic. And so I remember we just had like two days before flying over to the United States. I met with him in the hospital, and we shared the gospel, the love of God and how God loves you and cares for you, how God has his plan for you that you can trust Jesus. I gave that to him in the afternoon, and he said, you know, with the culture and how you have to respect your elders, they said, come back in the evening. I came back that evening, and he said, and pulled out the, the track in English and Arabic. That's the only way I can follow. And he said, I've been thinking about this. This is the decision I want to make to follow Christ. And that night, August of 1986, in that hospital room, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And what happened, amen, and what happened in the family, it continued to add and multiply. Brothers and sisters, even those who were Muslims, they came and lived in our home, we declared Jesus to them. And today, many of them know Jesus and they are following Jesus and even part of the church we wear. That's only what is God's plan. 
may not be that church as we land, we're going to be praying for people and bring them. We're going to go through what we call our holiday season. You know, tonight, great opportunity. Those who are afraid, you can just tell them the gospel. Jesus will save you. Don't get afraid of anything. <laughs> Didn't say that all weekend, but now. But tell them that we have no fear because of Jesus. I love those opportunities that you can change that. So then what does this mean for us in these four things we have looked about? What are the essential marks that will say these are the essential marks of our church? A learning church is a church that is going inward. Inwardly, we're digging into God's word. That's what we want to be. We want to be that church that we're known for as scripture. But also a caring church is a church that is going outward. Maybe through your acts of kindness and being in community, engaging people, you could start to build the church. Outwardly, you're going to. A worshiping church, we gather here in this large gathering and in small gathering upward. Let our worship be one to exalt the King of Kings, Jesus Christ himself. And finally, we become a church that we're outwardly growing with the gospel. This is God's plan for Northland. This is the plan for the church. If anyone is wondering, what's that church about? Just tell them what the book of Acts said about our church. So can we pray a prayer of saying, Lord Jesus, I want to commit to build your church today. I want to be that one that will be learning and will be caring and generosity and giving so that your church, I can be part of a big C church and a little C church. Go to God in prayer with me. Father, right now you hear the prayers of my brothers and sisters. To belong is to be part of your church. I join them praying for those who don't yet belong to Christ, but they belong to our family, our community, in our neighborhood, in our workplace. They belong to us in one way or the other. But may we pray for us to be the tools that we let them belong to the King of Kings. May we make this commitment because you promise that, Father, yes, you will build your church and we are the ones that you will use. So answer these prayers of mine and my brothers, even as we continue, Lord, to seek you for a commitment to be devoted in your promise and promise-keeping. In Jesus' name, amen.